All right, please welcome this evening's moderator from MTV, Mr. Josh Horowitz. Hey guys, uh, thanks for coming out tonight. Uh, not quite a blizzard day, but still snowy out there, so we all appreciate you coming out braving the cold, braving the snow for what's gonna be a super fun panel. Uh, any fans of the original film Snatch out there? Yeah, come on. Uh, classic movie, Guy Ritchie, filled with style and fashion and music and great characters. Uh, and it's a tough feat bringing something like that to, uh, to a project like this, a 10 episode series for Crackle that's debuting tomorrow. But these guys that we're about to bring out here uh, pulled it off in great uh, fashion and have really honored the original and brought something unique to this new uh, interpretation. So uh, I'm gonna bring out the panel in just a second. We're gonna take some of your questions, but first up, uh, let's give you a little sneak peek at Snatch, debuting on Crackle tomorrow. Check it out. about the bullying heist last night. Forklifts and piggies. Charlie, can you bring the van round, please, mate? Truck got heisted last night. Maybe they were going after your truck and hit the wrong one. But we have stumbled across a fortune in gold bullion with no clue what dangerous bastard it belongs to. All right, boys, don't stop till you found it. You boys are gangster. So this thing's breaking the internet. We're gonna get shot. We need to find a way to move some of this gold. I can fence your gold. Oh, you want Joel Skrilla? Cash. I want that gold, boy. And if you don't bring it to me, I will come for it. Nobody turns over! Sonny, get still! boy! You guys ballers are gangsters. We ain't ballers. Uh, as you can see, this is a wild show in the best possible way, so let's give it up for this amazing panel here. We have two of the stars and the executive producer. Give it up first for Mr. Rupert Grint. You guys heard of him? There he is, Rupert Grint. Uh, also coming out here is Luke Pascolino. Luke! and the executive producer of Snatch, Mr. Alex Durakoff. Give it up. Here we go, this is the Brain Trust, the mighty trio behind this amazing show. Congratulations, guys. Good to Thank see you. Thank, Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Uh, so we're hours away from the world being able to enjoy this show. I've gotten a chance to see the first two episodes. They're wild, they're crazy, they're fun. Um, give me a sense, first of all, you know, we have to kind of uh, talk a little bit about the source material, what inspired this. The name is Snatch. We obviously know the Guy Ritchie film. First of all, just what does that name mean to you? What is that kind of like franchise, if it is a franchise, whatever we call it, what embodies Snatch, whether it's a film or TV show? To you, um, should I jump off? Yeah. yeah. So obviously, I mean, to me, I was around and, and watching films when the original Snatch came out about 17 years ago. And in the UK, it's a very iconic and beloved movie. I mean, the way that Guy directed that and the style and the characterization and the casting, he really changed the way a lot of films were made in the UK. So, you know, it was a big ask for us to come on and, and take the spirit and evoke the spirit of the original and then try and find our own way through and our, set up our own story and our own characters in 17 years later in a contemporary way. So for you, for you gentlemen, talk to me a little bit about first your relationship with the, the first Snatch, Guy Ritchie's Snatch. Were you fans at the time and did that influence your interest in being a part of this project? 
I was a huge, huge, huge fan of the movie. I still am. I've seen it countless times. Um, so that was already, you know, I, I remember calling my agent about it before I'd even read a script saying, you know, get me in the room. I want to I want to be a part of this already. So, yeah, I mean, a huge, huge fan of the original. Um, and when I when I read Alex's episode one, um, I sort of felt even more attached to it, really. I thought he did an amazing job and kind of couldn't wait to move things forward. For you, Rupert, what was your relationship to the material? Yeah, no, I would echo everything uh, um, the boys have said is... Yeah, it's just one of those iconic films that's always always stayed with me. It was that was the main attraction for me to do this. It was, I mean, it's such a quotable kind of classic British film, and and yeah, and I think it was also important to to do something that was kind of different, that kind of steps away from from the original, has its own kind of voice, and I think that's what Alex did really well with the script, and it's just a great story about kind of young people completely <laughs> out of their depth and. <laughs> Yeah, that's the beauty of it. They're, they're basically would-be gangsters that really have no place being gangsters. <laughs> that's the, the joy in watching them kind of just stumble, make every mistake possible, right? Give me a sense, Alex, for you. Um, so what's the, what's the challenge? From what I gather, you, you've, you, know, you have the original film, but you also have an original story, original something, an actual event that you wanted that inspired the events of, of this series. Give me a sense of the blend of the two. Um, well, I was actually working on a film script which was based on a, a robbery that took place about 20 years ago in the UK called the Brinks Mat Robbery, where a bunch of villains went in to rob a warehouse and they were after a bunch of cash and ended up coming away with a, a lot more gold. And then over the following 15 years, the gold changed hands and people came unstuck and ended up in shallow graves and going off to Morocco and Spain. And I thought, what a great jumping off point for a story that these, that these kind of unlikely lads who are kind of small-time hustlers trying to find their way in this criminal world end up becoming part of something that was much bigger than them. So, you know, like I said before, we evoke the spirit of the original film, but we really set off on our own narrative going forward from there. So when did you guys get involved in the project? You're an executive producer, we should mention also. <laughs> Pay this guy some respect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throw that weight around a lot. Uh, um, was this, is this your first executive producing project? It is, yeah. It's the first time... I've ever executive produced anything, and I see um, you're carrying yourself differently. Which I saw you now, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it was it was yeah, it was really good fun. It was great to see it from a different perspective. Um, I wasn't very producery, I don't think. <laughs> I didn't really kind of take it. I wasn't kind of throwing my weight around, and I feel like others can test that better than you. <laughs> Luke, do you feel that Rupert was ever his, take his word as gospel? <laughs> he, he, you know, he didn't throw his weight around at all. He was, he was very humble with the, with the title that he was given. This is yeah. not a good executive producer. You're not doing it right. <laughs> now. No, obviously not. No, it was more of a kind of exploratory kind of role for me. I think it was really fun to see that side, and it's definitely something I'd like to do more of. But um, yeah, it kind of made me think how hard it is to kind of get something made. It's just so, so, there's so many kind of different dimensions and complications that you, you kind of don't realize just uh, just acting in something. I was talking to Alex uh, back backstage a little bit about the timeline of this. Yeah. I mean, this came together, it seems like you've been working nonstop, but you especially in terms of yeah. pre and post yeah. up until the last second here. 10 episodes for the world to see thanks to these guys' efforts. Uh, did it feel like it was breakneck speed from the start and did that help the, I mean, that kind of, I feel like you see that you want to feel that kind of urgency in the show anyway, so maybe it helped it or not. Yeah, I, well it did, I mean, it was, it was challenging and, and, and you know normally things take in the film is they take years to get set up and you're sort of you're, you're, you're trying to get things pushed over the line but this just happened very very quickly for me selling in the idea to setting up the writers room was within a week and then we were shooting five months later and five months later we're here today I mean I didn't finish the post-production until about five days ago so this thing's 
literally freshly baked out of the oven. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about these characters. Can you describe a little bit about what Charlie's all about and what made him fun for you to play through the, throughout the series? Uh, yeah, no, I, I play uh, a character called Charlie Cavendish Scott, who um, is, is kind of an unusual character. He kind of, he's not the most natural gangster, and he finds it hard to kind of fit in in these two worlds that he's come from. He's come from this very kind of aristocratic family where they have no money, everything's kind of an illusion. He's, he's, but he's very proud of his name and, and everything that comes with that. But he has these very strange parents that he feels very detached to. They have these kind of strange sex parties and <laughs> grow weed. And yeah, he's, he's just felt very kind of disengaged. And which I think kind of all the characters kind of probably feel that. And we, we kind of form this, our own kind of family unit. Yeah. Um, you also have a, a certain element of style, bow ties, galore, it would seem. Yeah. Did, did, was that costume designer, Alex, you, collaboration? What was the idea behind the look of Charlie? It was, a, it was all three. I mean, yeah. you know, I had a specific idea in, in how I felt Charlie should look, and, and, we, and obviously costing Rupert, that was amazing to play <laughs> with that. And uh, bow ties were, were key. <laughs> yeah. I thought it'd be fun to play with the idea of a posh gangster and then yeah. you know Rupert embodied the character and, and the clothes <laughs> <laughs> and for uh, for you Luke uh, Albert's character that uh, has some baggage for good or for bad his dad played by the great Grey Scott is around but not necessarily around in a uh, uh, present way give me a sense of sort of what made this interesting for you and, and the background of the character a little bit yeah I think you kind of you kind of said it I think the fact that his his father was was kind of always around whenever, you know, Albert would go and visit him in jail. But, you know, Albert's, you know, Vic, Albert's father, has been in jail for 15 years um, from the age of about 10 or 11, when Albert was 10 or 11. So those sort of like formative years of a young man's life, he never had a father figure around. So he sort of had to grow up much quicker than, you know, your average 10-year-old, so to speak. Um, and, you know, as much as he resents his father for not being around and sort of taking the chosen life, the chosen path that he's that he'd taken. I think, you know, Albert's deep down is just exactly like him, which he, he's still coming to terms with, I think. I mean, it's a, it's a challenging prospect for any creator, uh, executive producer to like put together an ensemble that fits together, right? And especially in a show like this. When, when was the first time you guys collaborated? Was it day one? Did you have some time to kind of like get to know each other and give me a sense of that process? Uh, yeah, we had some bonding time, didn't we? We had a few rehearsals and yeah, we did. Uh, <laughs> a few nights out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first time we, we met was at the read-through, though, wasn't we? Lu uh, Rupert and I met at the read-through for the first time. Um, but, you know, I'd met Alex a few, few times before, yeah. hadn't I, in meeting screenings and, not screenings, and, like, screen tests and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, the first time we'd met officially was in, in the read-through, but we had rehearsals in London with our director. And, uh, and then when we got up to Manchester, where we shot the series, we had a bit more time there as well, but we used to you know, workshop a lot on the floor and stuff mm. as well, so. As I understand it, as I would expect, you still probably create quite a scene when you're out on the streets, wherever you are, when you're shooting. Does that get in the way a little bit? Or are you, how are the crowds when they know that you're doing your business? Uh, yeah, no, it's usually, it was usually all right. It was, there was a few moments where it was, no, actually, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> one moment. No. Do you have to come out and like silence them, be like, I love you, it's all good. <laughs> Just please be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit of that. I mean, yeah, it's just it's just part of it. I'm kind of quite used to it now, but it's yeah, it didn't really kind of get in the way. It was yeah. It well, was you fine. exude. I mean, and I've talked to you many times over the years. You exude such a chill energy. <laughs> so hopefully that like I feel like it reflects back onto the people around <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. So like yes, they might come in really excited, but maybe like your chill attitude kind of like 
settles yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do have a calming effect. Yeah. I find that. I've heard that before. Um, yeah. Let's look uh, at a couple uh, scenes from this, this, uh, this series. It's, uh, it gets off to an awesome start. I've only seen the first two episodes. I can't wait to check the, the rest out. Uh, let's take a look at the first clip, though, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. Here it is. So have we gone artisanal, Charlie boy? Brahms and Liszt. A vanilla and cardamom infusion. All sailing at 400% markup on piss-cheap Serbian vodka. And you found some tool stupid enough to buy all this hipster shite, have you? Come on, Charlie, you know we need as much cash as we can to bet on Billy's fight tonight. Yeah, the mixologist is my second cousin. On the Cavendish Scott side. Ooh, a deal stamped in blue blood. That imbues me with confidence. Oh, yeah, I mean, we could always just flog it out the back of a van again. But that business model hasn't really worked for us today, has it, Al? You know, when Billy wins tonight, we can start to leave all this small-time shit behind us. I mean, let's face it, this is not sustainable, is it? Head down, arms swinging out. Yeah? All right. You be a good boy and load all that into the back of the van, and I'll see you in a few. What did your last peon die of? So I think you can even tell in that, like, that short clip and, and seeing the trailer, I mean, again, honoring sort of one of the traditions of the... Of the first of the film is like the dialogue has a real snap to it. it has to, it has to feel as you said the first film so quotable um, and that's a tall order for you to just oh yeah let me just write something super quotable <laughs> super memorable um, but give me a sense of sort of like so where is your head at in, in kind of like how do you create that and I guess how pleasurable is it for you to read what must be very unique scripts for you guys um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm from that world, you know, I grew up in London and, you know, I grew up around Guy and I've made films of this genre, so I find, I find the dialogue comes quite easily to me. It's just, you know, my background is feature film, so when you broaden that into long-form drama, which is ten episodes, the challenges came more for me with finding the structure and how, this, and how the narratives pay off and, and how those arcs work. So, dialogue, no, I'm around it, I hear it, it's, it's something that, that I find quite easy, yeah. Do you guys fall, fall in love with any, or did you fall in love with any particular lines or scenes in the course of shooting this that have stuck there's, with you? There's one line that I fall in love with, and, it, and it's not even my line. It's, um, it's where, uh, in episode one, I get told I'm sort of like trying to avoid someone that I, that, well, that Albert owes money to. Um, and he says, you've been, he goes, you've been tap dancing around me quicker than Fred Astaire on the nose candy, <laughs> which is uh, still, still to date, well, yeah, my favorite line in the series at the moment. Yeah, you can use that in your day-to-day -day life, I feel like. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, yeah, exactly. If someone owes me money, I'll probably, I'll probably start using that one out, yeah. They could be very impressed, I think, if you just whip that out. <laughs> um, did you, like, how many scripts did you see before you like, started shooting, Rupert? Like, did you know the arc of this character and know where you were going in the first, in the, throughout the season? Uh, no, not entirely when we first started. I think it was kind of the nature of it, we were, you were kind of writing it as we were going along. I was writing as we were going along. <laughs> <laughs> we had the first sort of three or four, and we had the, the, the art for the show, but, but, we, but I wrote and adjusted as, as I saw performances and sure. how stories played out, which was amazing. It was really exciting to do that, actually. Tough for these guys, because they got to stay on top of their arcs and where they're going, and that was numerous conversations and, and rehearsals, but, it, but they did amazing with that, yeah. Are you the kind of actors that like Again, you also have the executive producer credit, so you have the right, especially. But like to like weigh in on like you know, I think where we could go with this character, give us some ideas, or do you kind of leave it in Alex's hands? Um, yeah, well, I fully kind of trusted Alex. I mean, as soon as you read the script, you know that Alex was completely in tune with this whole world. It was, it was just yeah, we felt very safe, and it was a very free experience. We could kind of, we kind of feel like we could kind of play with it if we wanted to, and 
um, it's always makes it a lot more enjoyable, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely agree 100%. Did, did you, did I read correctly, did you base your character in some partial way on an unusual source? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I looked at a lot of Prince Harry videos. <laughs> um, that was kind of my initial kind of port of call, but um, he Harry quickly evolved into something <laughs> <laughs> different. Do you have a relationship with Prince Harry? Is he aware? I don't know. Have I've you emailed him, texted him, by the way? <laughs> LOL. Yeah. <laughs> Could be the end of the friendship before yeah, it started. I think, yeah, I do. Good hour. I want to see another clip. I think this is the boxing match, which is a huge part of the, the climax of episode one, if I'm rem remembering correctly. And it's it's so well done. Uh, take a look at this, just from a pure filmmaking standpoint. It's awesome. Come on out. You grabbed me three times already. Yeah, well, these babies are my ticket to the big swim. All right, girls. There he is. Where have you been? Getting your bottom spanked by staff. No, raising funds to extract your broke ass from the gutter. Yeah, all right. Little risk-averse value. Three bags to up the ante. Three grand. Shit. Fair play, Charlie boy. Fifteen grand. All right. All of it to go down on Billy to win in the fourth. And don't put it down to the end of round three. We good? Good as gold. Oi. Round four. Fourth round. So again, we got a taste of kind of two different sides of, of, the, of the filmmaking or uh, television making, whatever we want to call it in this. But I mean, I say filmmaking for a reason. It has a very filmic quality. I mean, you're kind of like, you're going for it. This is not lazy kind of television. And again, you're honoring that tradition. I mean, guys set the bar so high, including with boxing. Yeah. Um, did you always know that you wanted boxing to figure into at least the beginning of this show? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were a couple of things that I, that I wanted to do that, that would pay homage to, to the original one. One was to have a fight. And you know, there's some epic fights with Brad Pitt in the in the film. So that that was, we spent a lot of time figuring out what our version of that would be. And we went from bare knuckles to gloves, so it's more semi-pro, a bit more contemporary. Um, and we approached it very stylistically with music and editorial. So I think we did a good job with it. I love it. I'm very happy about that actually. Um, and then there's some rogue gypsies in the show. Guy would have called them Pikeys. 2017 can't get away with that. <laughs> Um, and then there's some kind of Jewish diamond dealers. So apart from that, we created our own tapestry. Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned kind of like, you know, part of the slang. I think one, what part of the joy of something like this is you're not catering to the audience too much. Like you, 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 know, you kind of have to catch up and that's kind of like part of the thing is, is don't, don't, you know, play to the lowest common denominator, do a smart show. Was there a lot of negotiation on that? Were you always on the same page with Crackle, et cetera, that like you could do a show at that level? Yes, absolutely. It was fine. I mean, Cracker are amazing. They, they get behind um, creators, and, and then once they're happy with what you're doing, they allow you to express yourself. And, you know, I don't think what, we wouldn't want to underestimate the audience, right? There's a lot of amazing TV now. You've got to, uh, you've got to step it up. And, and I just felt like we would, we would go for something that, that, especially in America, there's some of the dialogue, certain bits and pieces that they might not follow straight away but you get a context of the scene and you get to look behind the curtain at this different world. And I'm hoping that an American audience or a global audience actually really enjoy that. Yeah. 
Um, you know, post-Potter, post in terms of the opportunities that have come your way, Rupert, I mean, you know, you've explored different kind of television options a little bit, uh, maybe even more so than, than film in some respects. Have you found that the parts have been more interesting that have come your way, the opportunities have been better in terms of television than in film, and why do you think that is? Uh, yeah, no, I do. I think it's always refreshing kind of being on a new set. I mean, as much as I loved making those films, it was, it was kind of, we were in a bubble and it was, it was a long time. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's always fun to to do something completely different, and I think TV is really an exciting place to be at the moment. And there's some, yeah, it's it's great, and it's, it's, it's you have the opportunity to kind of carve out an arc for your character, kind of through ten episodes. is It's not not something you really get to do with film very so often. So it's yeah, I'm really enjoying that at the moment. Did you were you su surprised in a pleasant way or or a sad way about any kind of typecasting post Potter in terms of the kind of stuff you were getting, like how many? wizarding scripts that <laughs> came across your desk. Yeah, they, there was a few kind of like, kind of wizardy <laughs> fantasy magic kind of stuff. Right. A lot of best friends as well. Right. Um, <laughs> this guy knows how to do a best friend. <laughs> I know, I played Hitler's best friend <laughs> earlier in the year. So yeah, I can, I can do best friends. Um, <laughs> um, but no, I think, yeah, no, it's, you, you just go kind of by script by script and yeah. you kind of have to pick kind of what kind of really interests you and kind of, I've always been attracted to kind of big, bold characters, and yep. yeah, this was kind of really fit the bill for me. And, and for you, Luke, I mean, coming into this one, you obviously had some experience on television, too, Skins, yep. which uh, obviously is a huge phenomenon back home, especially, but here, too. Um, was there reluctance, excitement to kind of dive back in? It's obviously, obviously a much different kind of a show, different format, et cetera, but give me a sense of sort of where your head was at in terms of the yeah, television well, part. My kind of, my, you know, 75% of my career has been in TV anyway, um, whether it's been a series regular or episodic stuff. Um, so it's, it was... Uh, you know, sort of a medium that I knew quite well and I knew what to expect. Um, so it was, you know, it was, I felt I felt comfortable, but I think, you know, just the biggest challenge was sort of having such big shoes to fill and having a lot to live up to and, you know, expectations were quite high. So, you know, as, you know, I, I felt comfortable within the the sort of the, the format that we were working in, but it was everything else that came with it that sort of yeah. scared the shit out of me, <laughs> basically. Yeah, but I think, you know, I think, I think we did all right. I think it's all right. I think we did. Right. Yeah, <laughs> see what you think. You guys, now, uh, do you welcome or do you uh, do, do you think of it with dread of seeing any of the original, the people that contributed to the original film, seeing the, your version? Would you want to hear their take on it? See what you've done with it? Or, or are you kind of cool? Um, yeah, I mean, sure. I hope they watch it. I, ho I hope they watch it. I hope they like it. I mean, I think that it's it's a different beast to the to the yeah. original film. So I'm sure it might be slightly divisive with the original Snatch Lovers, but. That's the nature of the game. Well, as I was saying yeah. to you backstage, I feel like the, the, the playing field has changed. If we can accept like Fargo, which was an amazing film on its own, and then these amazing uh, Noah Hawley kind of creating his own take on it, um, the, ground, the, the, the rules have changed, which is awesome. Uh, let's see uh, one more clip, and we're going to go to your questions in just a bit, too. Okay, One more sneak peek at Snatch. 30,000 views. This thing's breaking the internet. We're going to get shot. Right, I'm getting tooled up. Hey, calm down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. We are walking masks and boiler suits. No one can know it's us, can they? Oh. Uh, but what about a lot in Martin, you want? Huh? Listen, I don't know about her. Do I? I've got to think about it. You keep your eye on her, Bill. Let me do that. Albert. Yeah. Fix on the blower. Well, that is all I need, isn't it? 
did all right last night, didn't we, boy? Last night? The fire. You got something else in the office, son? Oh, no, you're right. Sorry, I've, I've had a couple and I'm celebrating. Have a tall one for me. So what's going on? So gold's going on. So gold defense. He's called a job on. Pick up and drop this afternoon. Ten grand, son, COD. We will carve it. Well, yeah, today's no good. The job's booked and it's good readies. I understand that, but today is not a good day, Dad. Every day is a good day for a bit of graft, Albert. Yeah, right, go on then. Yeah, I'll do it for seven and a half, though. You get two and a half for the booking. You negotiate with me, son. This is not a negotiation, Dad. Six for you, four for me. Chop, chop. So that clip kind of kicked off with kind of like an inadvertent viral video moment. Uh, do you live your life in fear? Like, because anything you could do could turn into a weird viral video, I feel like. If you say the wrong thing here on the stage today, suddenly Team Grint is going to be like, Rupert, you did it again. <laughs> Six million hits. Is that not? Yeah, is it? I mean, I would think. Uh, it's a I don't know. I don't think that's right. I don't want to put that in your brain, but. Yeah. It should I be in get your caught brain. up with karaoke. Occasionally, when I do karaoke, it usually kind of right. ends up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've the block off the entire place. No one's allowed <laughs> yeah. to watch me karaoke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it cruel to ask about season two at this point, having just put putting the finishing touches on season one? Have you thought about sort of what that would look like? I, I have. I'm under complete embargo, so I can't talk about <laughs> it. But no, there is there is that those conversations have started. I thought I was going to get a month off, but that's out the window. So I've already started putting pens to paper, and I got a, a bunch of ideas, and potentially we will. Uh, not be in London, we might be somewhere else. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Yeah. You're welcome here anytime. Sorry about the snow, but yeah. by anytime. <laughs> it was a thought, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure we have some excellent questions from you guys. Have some microphones maybe running around? I wanted to know, as actors, has there ever been a film you've seen or maybe a live show and you've been like, wow, that role is like really cool. I would have loved to explore that and be part of that. I know it sounds ironic, but Snatch. <laughs> <laughs> I was such a huge fan of the movie, and like I said to, um, like I said earlier, like when I, when I heard that they were making a TV series, I was like, I called my agent straight away before I'd even knew that they were holding meetings for it, and I said, look, just do something to get me in the room and just get me a script. Let me read it. I want to be a part of something, you know, you know, in some way. So it might sound like a bit of an obvious answer, but that was genuinely what it is. Genuinely is that way. it was that way. Um, I would say. Clockwork Orange. I've always, I've always liked that character. I was a bit, late. I think I was a bit late for that one, but um, yeah, no, that would be cool. Late TV series. Yeah. Late TV series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is your relationship with the cast of the Harry Potter films, and how was it transitioning from a film like that into a role like this? Um, yeah. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> which one should I start? Uh, yeah, I think it's yeah, it's always difficult. I mean. After Potter finished, it was kind of quite disorientating for me. I didn't really know where I was going. It was kind of a huge part of my life that suddenly finished very suddenly. And yeah, it took me a while to kind of work out kind of where I was going. Um, but yeah, no, I've loved it. It's very refreshing kind of doing new things and kind of I've learned a lot. I've done a bit of theatre and, and, and TV now is, is something I'm really enjoying. And um, I've, what, was the other <laughs> what was the other part of that question? <laughs> I think it was keeping in touch with... Oh, do I get... Yeah, no, of course, yeah. I mean, we spent such a intimate time together. Um, we always look out for each other. and I mean, we're not, we're not kind of like... Don't see each other all the time, but I think we shared a very unique childhood that will always kind of bond us, definitely. 
Were you scared casting, casting Luke and Rupert? Because they both come from very iconic shows, Skins being one, and all the films Rupert's been and all the plays he's been. And were you ever scared the show would get like typecasted before anything came out, like trailers or clips? No, not at all, actually. I mean, I feel that because Snatch is such a brand and, a, and an IP that, that already exists in the world and the way that we approached it and how I went about casting it, I didn't really think about the stuff they'd done before so much more. I was excited about what they would bring to the show. Um, and then once we started getting into rehearsals and I started writing and rewriting to their characters, I actually, I mean, are you guys famous? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. No, it was great. It, it, was, it was super good fun and, and, and that, I didn't feel that at all actually, no. Hi, this question's for Luke. Do you miss the sword fighting and the swashbuckling from the Musketeers? And if they asked you to come back for a movie, would you do it? Ooh, uh, I don't miss the sore knuckles and you know <laughs> ice baths I have to have, have to have most days. Um, but I do miss it. Yeah, I mean, um, I spent you know I spent three years on that show. I had a, an amazing time, made some amazing friends, and you know I learned some incredible new skills. Some of which are now true on my resume, which is good. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, yeah, I do, I do miss it. I really do, I do miss it. Um, I'm not sure about the movie. Um, it's not something I'm against, but I, just, I think it just would all depend on where I am and, um, and, when, and when that offer would come, would come through. But um, it's definitely something I would consider for sure. Thank you. What was uh, the decision to take this show to Crackle or did they approach you? And how do you feel about taking the show through like uh, an app streaming service as opposed to a traditional broadcast? Yeah, um, Crackle approached me. Yeah, I, I didn't take the show to Crackle. I mean, Sony um, had made Snatch and, and, and they, they owned the property. And they, and they approached me and some other creators and luckily I got the job. Um, in regards to other platforms, no, I think it's great. Crackle's free. It's amazing, so anybody can watch it. Seriously, because I mean, there's so many other, I mean, Netflix is amazing, HBO's, they, they make amazing shows as do HBO and these other, these other platforms, but, but Crackle are doing stuff in a slightly different way and, uh, and I'm really behind it and I think that it's great that people that can't necessarily afford the, the monthly subscription can just come and tune in and, and that's what ads do for you, you know. Do you think that you'll be moving towards uh, streaming services like Crackle from now on for your future shows or are you gonna like just bounce in between depending on projects? Yeah, it just depends on the project. I mean, it, you know, I'm lucky enough to have been asked to do this. This isn't the first time I've actually done television. My background's in music videos and commercials and feature films. So um, it's kind of opening up now. So I, I'm, I'm open to, to kind of expressing myself wherever they'll let me, really. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to see what you do. Thank you so much, I appreciate that. Hello, uh, in the um, I just want to know if there are any genres that you haven't explored that um, in terms of acting that you would perhaps like to explore in the future that you haven't actually got the opportunity to work with, all three of you. British person, that surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I'd, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to attempt more comedy. Um, I sort of, I've, I've only ever really touched on it. My sort of background has been in sort of drama, really. Um, I've only ever touched on comedy, so I would like to, you know, I'd like to sort of immerse myself in something that is sort of allows me to explore the the more comedic side of things for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Snatch is full of comedy, but unfortunately my character doesn't like to smile too much. Um, <laughs> so You were funny though, mate. Yeah, cheers. Just <laughs> play everything really straight. Um, but yeah, comedy for me, definitely. Thank you. What approach did you take to incorporating females into this traditionally male genre? Good question. Um, so from the beginning, you know, I wanted to cast some fantastic female actors and, and create some really interesting uh, 
female roles. I mean, I felt that just because we're in a slightly male-driven world and it's full of gangsters and hustlers, why can't girls be gangsters and hustlers and fences? And, and a, lot of the, a lot of the heists and the hustles are driven by our two female characters as well. And just putting them in the mix with these lunatics just uh, ended up being really, really good fun. And I'm, I'm actually really proud of the, the female characters. And one of my favorite characters in the show is uh, the mother, who play, it was Julia Aubrey, who plays Lily, who's, who's Luke's, Luke's mum in the show. And she really, really grounds it and gives it a, a very strong female perspective. And um, hopefully that will open it up to a, to a bigger audience and, and people appreciate that we actually really made an effort to do that. I guess sadly we're out of time, guys. Thanks so much for your great questions. Thanks to this amazing panel. Uh, Snatch, again, is available everywhere on Crackle starting tomorrow. A smart, fun, cool show. Congratulations, guys. Thank you so much. And thanks for stopping by. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.